Welcome back to the Born and Raised Music Podcast. I am Garrett. And I'm Kent. And today we have the third installment of our special episode series, Beer with Zach. Yeah, it's our first repeat. Yeah, 11 episodes in. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is this is a great one. Zach has, uh, has a lot of questions about the music industry, and we try our best to answer them whenever he comes on. Um, he was curious about these things, so our hope is that as a guy not involved in the music industry, this will be kind of more of a, an open-ended thing where uh, maybe people who aren't super involved in it or do it professionally might be interested to hear how some of this stuff works. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. We talk about rider items. We share some stories from, from concerts. Remember those? Remember concerts. Remember remember outside? Remember. Um, but no, we, we cover a whole lot of stuff, and um, we also... Just so everyone knows, we, we started a few new things. I want to plug those. We'll plug, plug them right now? Plug them. Well, we've got Beer Me That Vinyl. Yes, Beer Me That Vinyl. We just finished our second episode of that. Um, a third one coming soon, hopefully, so be looking for that. Um, and we've been trying to support a lot of local artists with selling their merch on our website, so check that out. See what we got going on. Yeah. You ready to get into it? Let's get into it. Let's go. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Okay. Wait a second. Before we get into that, yeah, I just wanted to note really quickly mm-hmm. uh, that Zach mentions uh, early on in this episode that he used to play in a band. I guess he did. And that band was a Christian rock band called Crossed Out, and I searched far and wide through the deepest depths of like, the internet. Like four pages in on Google. We, I, <laughs> I signed up for MySpace. I had I logged into MySpace That's hoping right. to find some of his old music. We did find my old music, but we didn't find his old music. In 2020 year of our lord, I signed up for a new MySpace account <laughs> so I could try to to listen to to cut some clips of of Crossed Out and could not find it and I was so disappointed. If you email Zach at knoxbrewtours.com Maybe he'll record you one. He'll, he'll, he'll make a new one for you. If those masters exist somewhere, I mean, well, he's going to be back Somebody on the podcast. send them to us. I'm going to find them. Ryan Burner, if you're them. listening, send us some of that Or music. Tyler Hayes, Matt Malone, somebody that was in that band. Somebody, send me, please. Send me these clips so that we can surprise Zach by throwing them in there. I like it. All right. Are you ready now? Now let's get into <laughs> it. Let's do it. Yeah. Welcome back to Born and Raised Music Podcast. We got- I feel like I feel like Zach and I were still just chit chatting, and I could feel <laughs> Garrett's energy shift to like, okay, guys, it's podcast mode now. <laughs> I just really want just to like talk. the way you sat up in your chair. I was like, oh, I guess we're starting. I guess this is it. I mean, sure, we we're can still chit chat. We're obviously, it's just weird to just chit chat because we're always just chit chatting. That's true. I mean. We mentioned this, I think, in the last episode. We do share an office together. It's true. You went a whole six feet. Yes. Yeah. Responsibly. Responsibly, right. Six feet. Yeah. Six feet. Yeah. Keep it. Yeah. And there's even a bathroom with with two toilets, mm-hmm. but I, I think we only use one of I don't know. Well, because one's creepy and yeah. dark, <laughs> and I don't like being in there. There's a cricket that lives in there, and he has no idea when it's nighttime. Oh, <laughs> that's Henry. Henry. He pays rent here. <laughs> he pays more rent than we do. He's, yeah. he's, he's, you want to know why our rent is so cheap? It's him. <laughs> he's carrying us. Henry's really subsidizing that. Yeah, Henry. That's Henry. He's been with us for a while. Yeah. Welcome to the Born and Raised <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> this is our first repeat. The first, is that right? Yeah, because we had, we had Beer with Zach and it was just a two-part. So it was just one episode broken into two. Because we've been doing this during COVID-19, we, you know, we've only been doing this six weeks. It feels like we've been doing this for three years. Yeah. It does. This is only our 11th episode. It makes me feel better because... If we had been doing this year, I feel like we should be way better at it than you we. You said he was our first repeat, and I was like, I was like, but with all the hundreds of guests that we've had, surely we've repeated somebody. <laughs> all I was like, we've been doing this them. for six weeks. So, how many guests have you all had, and what episodes? How many episodes have you done? This will be the twelfth episode. Okay, this is the twelfth episode. One of them was just Garrett and I. Two of them were you, because we split the first one into a two-part. Okay, part. so eight guests. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
See, is that math? I don't know. I went to beard nice. Yeah, that's yeah, that's math. <laughs> yeah, that sounds checks out. <laughs> that's really exciting. Ask, ask the kid from Farragut. Yeah, yeah. Not but, about math. Go dogs. <laughs> don't ask me about math. <laughs> okay. Well, so basically, for anyone that's listening that maybe didn't hear our last episode, that's a good. Yeah. Good I point. basically convinced the the host of this podcast to let me come on the show and ask them questions about the beer industry or the music industry. I did this last time, man. About the music industry <laughs> this is and about your all's podcast as mm-hmm. well. And I've got I've got a pretty lengthy list of questions here for you. So well, whenever wanna, you're ready, I, I'm I'm ready to fire them yeah, off. Yeah, I want to make sure our listeners know Zach is from oh. Knox Brew Tours, and we spent a lot of time on his bus recently, um, celebrating birthdays and such. But if you get a chance, once all this ends, you should definitely take a tour on those buses because they're rad. Um, I'm sorry if if things are broken. It's probably Kent and I's fault. We probably oh, broke a window or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sure but I, he'll get them fixed, I'm sure. So, oh, the yeah. next time you get on the bus, they'll be clean and pristine, and oh yeah, so ready for a brew tour. But these celebration buses have been a lot of fun, and mm. not only it's been it's sort of it's been fun. We've made a little bit of money doing it, but it's been really rewarding personally as well, just to see people like smiling and laughing and happy and spending time together, and like um, it's just been a, a good time for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it goes to say like where we are right now, the fact that people get so much joy from three grown men dancing like idiots just tells you what kind of position we're in right now. But it is. It's true. People have so much fun with it, and it just brightens up their day, and I'm glad that we're a part of it. My two favorite uh, celebration bus moments so far are definitely... Hey, before we get into these (laughs) stories, should we... I don't feel like we've explained what it is that we're even talking about for anybody (laughs) listening to this, right? We can always just edit it back well, to the true. beginning. So celebration bus. But we're not bus. going to, yeah. <laughs> but we're, you, yeah okay. you know we're not going what to. What is the celebration bus? The celebration bus is when the three of us roll up to people's houses in the Brew Tours bus, and we get out and celebrate in whatever way that we can find to make props, the costumes, experience of music. Yeah, we have a generator on, on, on the bus. Yeah. Guitars that aren't plugged in. The anything. full sound system. I mean, yeah. the main feature is that we're rolling up with the bus, playing loud music and making a spectacle, making a big deal out of who, out of whomever's being celebrated. But I think I think what has been great about it is how unbelievably weird it's been. Oh, we, yeah. <laughs> we just have used whatever is at our disposal, uh, props and costumes and, and whatever else. And I, I think the weirder we get, and this is my hope for everybody that's ordered these things, that the weirder we get the more that that becomes like the lasting memory of quarantine. Yes. <laughs> because if that. we're so weird that yeah. that you can't not forget it, maybe that's what they remember like, instead of it like... It would be beautiful if 10 years from now, when someone's reflecting on the pandemic, they'll be like, man, there were so many this and this and that and all these you know challenges, but in the middle of all that, and they're like, and these guys showed up in this bus. <laughs> one of them was in a panda suit. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> one of my favorite memories from it so far was when... When we played the uh, <laughs> the Lion King, King, yeah, and you had on the lion headdress with like a like a cloth around you, <laughs> and everyone was staring at you, and Kent and I run around the bus, and right at the main like pinnacle of the intro, we picked you, we tried to pick you up, <laughs> um, and that was ridiculous. And the other one was definitely Pop Punk Panda for sure. Pop, Pop Punk, Punk Panda, Panda will go down. In the annals of Celebration <laughs> Bus history as one of the greats. I, I rocked the, the head off of the panda. Well, you had this panda head on and this bass guitar, and you were singing the words to Lit, and it was, yeah. it was, it was, it was amazing. If that was, if there was kids there, I would have traumatized them because oh, the, yeah, head, sure. the head flew fifteen well, feet. You kind of traumatized the dog a little bit. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, I did. That's true. So there's a chance you traumatize the adults. <laughs> That's entirely possible. We don't know for sure. We won't know. No. Time will tell. It's too soon. <laughs> it's a waiting. It's a waiting game. game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's the celebration bus. Well, we're here. We're we've got beers in hand from last days of autumn, and yep. we're ready to answer some of your questions about music. So, oh, well, so you I, are now officially the host. You're take take yeah, it from you here. Take it away. Take over. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was brainstorming last night in preparation for today's episode, and. I used to play music, as as we mentioned, and we had like a little contract, and we were like, you know, one of the things that was in our contract was we played a lot of churches, 
and it never failed that we would eat pizza like six nights a week. Oh, right. It was, yeah. They would just get pizza. And at one point, we were like, okay, we, we put in our rider, right? Yeah. Our contract that we that dinner had to be provided and it couldn't be pizza, which we then later added in hot dogs as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and I've always wondered, like, so for anyone who's listening who has no idea what I'm talking about, what is a rider? Mm-hmm. Um, is it, I don't even know if it's spelled R-I-D-E-R or R-I-T-E-R. And why is it called a rider? That doesn't even make, what is a rider? Like a wagon? Like a, a red flyer? So like, a rider is, it's basically just any addendum, any add-on to a contract. Okay. Um, I mean, that's the official term, but we, I mean, we deal with bands all the time that aren't to the level where they need to send a contract even though they should. If you're banned, you should be sending contracts. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, sometimes yeah. we have writers with no contract. It's it's kind of just come to mean like typically two things, hospitality and uh, specs for technical. your sound system. Yeah, yeah tech writer. writer and a hospitality writer. Those are the two kind of things. That are yeah, included. and the name comes from, it's a lot more simple than you might think. It's it's just that like it rides along with the rest of it. Rather than adding a whole new legal document. Rider, I hardly know her. Oh, don't you even <laughs> dare. <laughs> so oh, so Ken's, Ken's blood pressure just went up. <laughs> okay. So what's it, worse is that I'm gonna listen back to this and I'm gonna get more mad when I'm mad listening again. to the podcast in my I know. car. He hates those jokes, and I, I usually refrain, but I was like, this one will haunt him forever. What I hate is that I like that joke, and you ruined it for me forever, Yep. because you do it 40 times a day. Neither here nor there. Writer. So most of the time, what we're dealing with with writers uh, is hospitality, like you were talking about, pizza, hot dogs. Um, we've had some good ones. Well, some- you know, that's what's funny is that a lot of bands aren't vegetarian, but they specifically put vegetarian into their writers. Because it's a really easy way to avoid like barbecue and pizza without and, like, sounding necessarily needy. Yeah, yeah. Specific. We need a very specific thing. It's like we we will eat anything fresh. We just really don't want the same food well, over I and just, over again. I just know that when 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 I was traveling a lot on the road, like it's easy to get crap food from a fast food restaurant. So right. if you can go to a venue and get a home cooked meal, or to get something like even just salad, you know. Yeah. It's a lot harder to, to do that outside of the of the venue. So if the venue can provide that, it was always a nice bonus. Right. And since we book shows at Pretentious Beer Company, that's like where almost all of the shows that we put on are, we'll have bands that come in and are like, where's the closest thing where we can get something healthy? And I'm I'm always like, ah, I mean, Ooh. Barley's, I guess you can get a pesto wrap, but like everywhere else in the old city is... is kind of bar food. Yeah, kind we of need, bar food. We need, yeah, we need some fresh food in the old well, city. Well, that new Japanese place... Across the street, but we haven't done no, a show since the, since it opened. Tamales are good too. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, writers. We've we've had some interesting times with some writers that bands have had. My favorite one. Do you know? Do you remember what I'm going to say, Garrett? I've got my own, so I'm going to let you you say your favorite one first. And my I favorite one. Our second sunset on Central. Um, a band called Future Thieves. The only thing it the only thing they had on their writer was a jar of peanut butter. A jar of strawberry jelly, a loaf of bread, and a six pack of Rolling Rock, <laughs> and we were all too happy to to take care of that for him. I love that. It was they, pretty great. And they, those those guys are super cool. We've we've booked them a couple. I thought more you were going to say the that. weeks because the weeks asked for a birthday cake, and we gave him a birthday cake. We threw him a birthday party. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> That's where uh, that started. That was one of the early ones. You kind of worked on that yeah. a lot more than I did. That was kind of before we were like a team on on everything. I, yeah. I think I came in late and helped with some marketing in like the last three days. But that's where like, so Sunset on Central's artist hospitality is always ridiculous. And it all stemmed from that. They asked for a birthday cake. So we're like, let's throw them a birthday party. And then... Yeah, we've done that every year <clears> since. <throat> yeah, But last, we changed the theme of the birthday party. Right. There was Batman's 69th birthday. <laughs> that was fun. Um, that was a good one. Last, last year, year was, was Pokemon. Pokemon. It was P- Taco Pokemon Party. That's po- Pokemon Taco Party. Pokemon Taco Party. Gotta yeah. catch them all. Um, but my favorite Pokemon. rider item that I've ever seen was a naked photo of uh, of B. Arthur, the Golden Girl. That was on Tyler Childers, and we. That's we- awesome. <laughs> do you know what that's in reference to? I'll be really impressed no, if you do. No, I don't. That is from uh, the movie Airheads. 
with oh, Adam Sandler. Oh, no, I do, yeah. And oh, okay, uh, Brendan Fraser and Steve Buscemi. That's a great movie. That was one of their uh, one of their demands when they took hostages. <laughs> the naked photo would be Arthur. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of stuff, like, there's also, like, Van Halen was famously asking for m&ms with all the brown ones taken out yeah so david lee roth could understand like if people are actually reading the hospitality writer yeah that's what i was gonna mention was you hear these like sort of infamous stories of like really popular musicians like whitney houston and like i guess i thought it was def leppard i mean you know how the rumor game works and like mm-hmm. it, about these like really crazy demands but then you also hear that the they're not really crazy demands that's just their test to see if they read all the other details that matter it was part of the van halen contract as we toured through the arenas in the 80s that there would be no brown m&ms found in the backstage area or the promoter would forfeit the entire show at full pay this was touted wildly and widely as simple rock star misdemeanor excess and being abusive of others simply because we couldn't. Who am I to get in the way of a good rumor? In fact, the reality is quite different. Our setup time and our teardown time was going three times over. We were going into Union Golden time. It was taking six, eight, seven, nine hours longer than it should have, etc. A lot of that was because the crew was unfamiliar with this size of a production. The rest of it was because promoters frequently didn't read the contract writer and we would have uh, structural uh, physical issues because, hey, there wasn't the proper electricity, load-bearing stress, etc. What sometimes they come from a manager. Like did you guys have an art like a, did you guys have a tour manager when Basically you, it was me. Yeah. Um sometimes the manager will put in stuff for the writer and we'll get it for the band and they'll be like, Oh, thanks. You didn't have to do that. Like they had no idea that that was even on the writer. Okay. Yeah. Does it does it ever <laughs> uh, no one here likes hummus. It's like it says hummus on your writer. Yeah. <laughs> that happens actually not that infrequently. Yeah. Someone it, asked me what LaCroix was and I was like, It's, it's what's on your, on your writer. Your writer. Yeah. <laughs> so hospitality doesn't necessarily is not limited to pre-show during show post-show it could also include hotel room Mm -hmm. or 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 even transportation from the airport Mm -hmm. yeah i mean anything you have to advance it's it seems like the the contracts are pretty boilerplate and a lot of the specific requests that are up to that particular night usually end up on the writer or in the advanced process where we call them the bigger the bigger the artist there is a contract and then a writer I mean, they're they're not one yeah. and the same. They are two different documents. Yeah, a lot of times, yeah. How much pushback do do people like you all who who put on these shows have? Like, let's pretend you go to book. You know, I'm just going to use David Ramirez because I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. So you go to push. It's funny that you bring him up. He, I don't, I don't know. We may have to take this out. He had a really extensive writer the first time that we booked him. I don't but remember that. In years since, it it like kind of whittled down you give them whiskey here's the thing they they list it at least you should if you're listing stuff list it and prior prioritize it yeah because like a lot of times they're gonna get the top ones. jameson james a bottle of jameson is always you you get david a bottle of jameson he's gonna be happy he really doesn't care so so it's interesting you say prioritize so this is giving me two more questions so i my band i reach Mm -hmm. you guys reach out to me to book me i send you my rider there is a request in it that you guys can't fulfill. Mm-hmm. Is the conversation over at that point, or do you respond with, we can do all the things, but we can't do this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like that, just like everything else it's a negotiation, with the t- typically with the booking agent. Yeah. We're, we're here to work. We're all here to work. And I think at the end of the day, like that's ultimately the biggest priority. If we're providing an opportunity for a musician to work, they're going to they're gonna show up and work and get paid. That's what they care about. The rest of it, um, you know, technical writers yeah. are, are relatively important to them. You know, they want to make sure they can provide the quality of show that they the experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no one's ever going to cancel a show over small writer stuff, but a lot of times like with festivals, it's way easier to just say, yeah, we'll get you all of your, your hospitality writer stuff, but we're going to go into this tech writer because things at that level, like getting certain kind of board or, uh, you know, 10 pairs of in-ears like, 
to rent that that'll add two thousand dollars to your your budget so you go we'll give you all that stuff because it's like two hundred dollars worth of stuff but we need to talk about this tech stuff because we can't afford all of it. We're going to get a lower, you know. And we we try to we thing. try to take care of every single hospitality rider item, and definitely tech rider if we're able to. But right. like we we don't have the funds usually. Like if somebody needs a new soundboard, yeah. right? But like for hospitality, we try to get everything that we possibly can as so long as we can afford it and it doesn't if there's something that you yeah can't, exactly doesn't take provide, us from being in the black to being in the red yeah if there's something you can't provide do, do you communicate that to them ahead of time or is it just like we did our best that's that's part of the the advanced the process first way is the best way to do it yeah a lot of times you know when you go through the contracts there's different ways you can literally just cross through it and sign it and send it back and just be like, we're not giving you that. Or what you might do is circle it and go as per advance. And because about two weeks out to like some day, sometimes like three days out, but like yeah. you, you call the tour manager or artist and you advance with them. You talk about the show in advance and you kind of go over those items. And that's where a lot of the people are reasonable. You know, like, Hey, listen, we couldn't get LaCroix, but we've got some sparkling water. Is that cool? Yeah. Well, you don't even worry about it. You know, that's a lot of times is how those conversations end up going. It's fascinating to me. Yeah. I just thinking about all the different details and all the, the ways that, I mean, it's basically just, you're having a conversation with someone on paper. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like, these are the things that we need to do to be successful. You need these things you need to do to be successful. And, uh, I just think it could get really complicated probably pretty quickly or simple depending on the artist and the and the promoters. Yeah, I mean I ultimately I think tech tech writers is something that like we try to advance early if we see a, a problem in it cuz that could be a deal breaker. But like usual hospitality stuff is just like you know, you show up and you're like, "Well, it's hot dogs again." Well, I'm not going to go on stage. No, I got I'm getting paid to go on stage. I'm just disappointed in hot dogs. I might not come pl- play here play again. Here again. Yeah. yeah. And that's why we try to provide as much of the hospitality riders because we're trying to build a reputation with they artists. Wanna, when, they, when their manager or agent texts them, hey, you want to play this gig in Knoxville for Born and Raised, you want their response to be, yeah, I do. Like, exactly. I, wanna, I definitely want to do I that. love those guys. They treat us well. They take care of us. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one time, I don't know how much we should be, able, we should be talking about like band-specific rider items, but this is probably fine. Um, John Paul White, um, of, oh, yeah, was from the one. Civil Wars, mm-hmm. came to play the Outpost, and I, I said beforehand, I was like, whatever, whatever he wants, whatever, because it was kind of an underplay for him. I felt like we were pretty lucky to get that show, to be honest. And I was like, whatever he asked for, he's gonna get it, no questions asked. And then I was looking through his rider items, and it was like all these weird, these different weird kinds of like Cheetos and Doritos, like the wacky flavors. I was like, I don't even know if you can get this at Kroger. <laughs> And I was I was just like confused. I was like I was like, why does this guy <laughs> care so much about all of these different like Cheeto varieties? Yeah, flaming hot, twisted. Like, and then when we got there, it's because his son was touring with him. Oh, and his son loves him. And his son loves him. He and literally gave his son. He's like, all right, kid, put whatever you want on that rider. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that that was one of those things. It's like sometimes that that was a, a perfect like humbling example of like I. I thought it was frankly kind of ridiculous and then once i saw the reason why which i well, didn't know until he got there i was like oh that makes total sense Kent did a great job at going above and beyond he's like i couldn't find the specific ones but i bought every single flavor remotely close to that and the kid was like i haven't even heard of some of these before oh, and so like pumped. oh he was amped and like and uh you just made it harder for the next promoter oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well and, and his dad obviously was like man you really made his night thank you so much for doing that you know yeah and it was great and he went that, above and beyond he he got a cheeto costume and did a little <laughs> dance <laughs> fun aside by the way that that kid was super cool his uh his dad's from muscle shoals alabama john paul white is from muscle shoals alabama and he shows up wearing like decked out in tennessee vols gear oh that found yeah. out that they're both tennessee fans living in enemy territory in alabama and we played Kentucky that day, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but that was like when Kentucky was a top ten team for like a minute, and yeah. we beat the brakes off, and we got to enjoy uh, talking about that with uh, with John Paul White and his son. It was a really sweet moment. That's awesome. Okay, so um, we'll move on from the rider contract. I'm sure uh, okay. you can come up with some yeah. more, but that's always a fun one. The, yeah. So um, okay, so even my time in music, this next question is relevant because I, I, I still didn't really understand it keep in mind i was much younger when i was when i was pursuing music but 
So back in my day, yeah, back in my day. Uh, so a band goes to the studio, records an album, and then they go to release this album. Usually uh, now on digital platforms, maybe in a physical CD. Uh, they try to get on the radio. They try to do shows. They do all these things. At some point in that process of creating and sharing your music with the world, there is something called publishing. And I never really understood what it is or mm-hmm. how it works or what it's doing. It just, to me, it, as an artist at that point, before I really, I, don't, I still don't understand it, it just seemed like one more person I had to write a check to for no apparent reason t- so that people could listen to my music. Explain, like, what is, pu- what is publishing? You shouldn't have to be writing a check to, for people to listen to your music because you own the publishing, right? Unless you are covering a song. I, I question mark? Okay. <laughs> so <clears throat> there's Who was hint- asking for you to give them yeah. money is what we, we want to get. You may have been bamboozled. I definitely was bamboozled at some point or another. I well, mean, they, they might have been trying to sell you services for your publishing or something like that. Maybe that's what it was. But yeah, so what, what, what publishing. is publishing? What is publishing? This is a really big like... So I've taken two classes on publishing. I got an A in both, and Ooh. I... <laughs> I'm not going to confidently give you a good sorry. answer on this one. <laughs> I think that's where it's flex, so, but go on. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like publishing is, is, is was intentionally created complicated. I think it, that's my personal opinion of it. Once it's not like my teacher said like, Oh yeah, we did this to screw over artists. But like when you kind of look at it, it's like, hmm, why is there 200% of a song? Why isn't there just 100% of a song? Yeah, like, that also confused me too. That, I think that's the inti- that's the intention. And I remember somebody telling me some sort of weird analogy where it's like, okay, if this song sells, you get 10% of it, but the publisher gets five cents and you get five cents. But if you right. only wrote 50% of that or half of that song, then you get two and a half cents. Right. And I'm like, so wait, why is this person so getting five cents? You, I, you write the song. Okay. How do you go get the money? For all the different royalties that might be out there. For example, there's sync royalties. So if someone puts it in a movie. Okay. There is um, broadcast royalties. If they like um, play it on the radio? Yeah, play it on the radio. Um, there are a handful of different kinds of mechanical ro- royalties that are out there. Okay. So there's a lot of different ways that you can get paid for this. Anytime the song is played or performed, distributed, you should get paid as a songwriter. Okay. Who's keeping track of that though? And how do you go get those pennies? Right. That's where publishing comes in. So there's these companies that literally manage catalogs of songs. Like BMI and ASCAP. Yes. Well, yeah. Yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. It's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> okay. Just the companies that man- help manage yeah. me getting paid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's different publishing companies out there. And what they do is they go, we're going to buy half of the rights to your song. It's the publishing half. And they go, but don't worry, you get to keep 100% of your songwriting credit. And you go, okay, good. So I get to keep 100% of it. Right. But they're actually taking the 100% of the publishing. Or maybe sometimes they only take 50%. It all depends on how the deal is made. So how can you have 200% of something? Again, it's just a way to confuse you. Um, they're, They're technically different parts of the same thing. Okay, so my song is in a movie and they say they want to pay me 100 bucks for that song. Mm hmm. Are you saying 50 bucks goes to the publishing company, 50 bucks goes to me? If you signed a publishing deal, yes. So I could... You currently, when you wrote the song, you own 100% of the songwriting and publishing. But what I'm when doing you is a publishing I'm paying deal, them you... to enforce it, mm-hmm. and they want a cut of that. Not only to enforce it, because enforcement is more of the performing rights organizations, like you said, BMI, ASCAP, CSAC. These companies not only go and collect on your behalf... Um, they manage, so say if there was a, a co-write uh-huh. and they're collecting money, it's, they're handling how, how do you split the pennies up? It seems kind of like a they racket. Al- and, well, they also market that song too. So, so they are incentivized to connect that song to Lionsgate or Universal Studios. Right. Because There's a lot of gatekeepers and they have all the relationships with the gatekeepers. So you sign a deal with them so you can go focus on songwriting. And they go, they're just a middleman, but they focus on marketing and, and promoting your music so from a publishing in angle. In the beer world, mm-hmm. we have three tiers. Right. Manufacturer, distributor, and retailer. Where a brewery pr- makes the beer, then they sell it to a distributor, and then the yeah. distributor goes out and sells it to the bars. 
Right. Is that kind of they're kind of the distributor in a way, sort it, of from from the songwriting perspective? Yeah. So when you kind of think of the music industry, there's multiple reven- revenue streams that you can take advantage of. So selling an album, there's the recording aspect of it. Um, so when you create a recording, you can own the recording. You can also record. You can also own the songwriting. There's okay. two different things that are there. Right. Because I could I could write a song and and then. You know, Toby Keith could go cut it. Go cut it. And, and he owns the master recording of it, or his label does. He owns the recording does. of that song, but he doesn't necessarily own the song. Right. You, you still own the song. You get paid every time he sells a record. But who's, who's going to go collect that money for you? You need a company that, that does it. So that's kind of what publishing is And he's is okay with, for. with that arrangement because he's the one getting paid $20,000 to do the county fair and oh, yeah. sell 100k in merch every year and yeah. whatever. He's making money. Right? Yeah, he's making money. Seems like a slight burn on Toby Keith <laughs> talking about playing county fairs. No, I well, mean that's I a just, big circuit. That's a big circuit. <laughs> an example, I don't. Um, a fun, a fun legend story. Just an aside here. In Nashville, someone sold the publishing rights to Friends in Low Places to pay a bar tab. How it was big before. Was that bar tab? It was before it was ever. It was actually a pretty considerable tab. I think that they. There's actually a podcast about it. You should go listen to it. I think, um, oh, what band put it I out? I always love it when podcasts talk about other podcasts. Yeah. It's like <laughs> Inception. Oh, um, Midland? Is that a country band? Midland. Mm-hmm. They have a podcast, and they talk about different le- legends of the, the national music industry, and that was one they talked about. They talked to the guy who actually did it, but he owed like 1200 bucks at this bar on Music Row, and it was right, when Garth Bro- it was right before Garth Brooks had blown up. And Garth really wanted to cut that song. And he was like, oh, Garth is going to cut it. I mean, here, man, I'll, I'll pay off this tab. And I'll give you a, a part of this. I'll give you my, my publishing rights to this. And dang. Yeah. That's a lot of yeah. money. He still, had, he still had the songwriting, though. He still had the songwriting. That's good. But he gave away a very, very expensive part of, you know. <sighs> Similar yeah. story, my... Uh, mom grew up at one point, and her her parents were from Stuckart, Arkansas, mm-hmm. where the first ever Walton's Pharmacy opened. And when Walton's Pharmacy decided to expand into a public company, it was right when she graduated high school. And my grandfather said, "For graduation, you can either have a you can either take a trip to Europe, or I'll get you a hundred dollars in stock in Walton's Pharmacy." Oh my. And my mom said, I will oh take boy. the trip to Europe. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That was, Walmart, yeah. people. Walmart, that if you're was, wondering. That was in like <laughs> 1968 or something, 1969, 70, something yeah. like that. Anyway, it's crazy. Anyways. Sheesh. Okay, so this actually is a perfect segue into like my next question. Because you're talking about publishing, mm-hmm. and then you mentioned royalties. And essentially, royalty is just getting a, a chunk or a piece, getting paid for, for your creative work. Right. How does that work with, like, cover bands? And I don't necessarily just mean, like, I, I do want to include the country cover band, you know, playing at Cotton Eye Joe's this weekend. Mm-hmm. But I also want to include where you see, like, traveling acts who go across the nation performing, like... Like, that, get the lead out, yeah, the Led like Zeppelin get, tribute yeah, band. Yeah, like the Led Zeppelin tribute Two yeah, Dog Night, the Three Dog Night tribute band. <laughs> yeah. The Red Knot Chili Peppers, those, these the kind of bands. Yeah. Um, and like there's that one, there's this one great band that goes around and does Pink Floyd stuff and like their laser shows crazy and all this stuff. Like Laser Floyd? Yeah. Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. That sound, that's perfect. Why do I? <laughs> that's one of Wasn't those things. Why the, do I know so many I remember one bands. year Bonnaroo released really their well. schedule yeah. and there was a band on there called Less Zeppelin. Less Zeppelin. It was like a Led Zeppelin cover band with a female singer. Interesting. Um, but so, how does that work? And does the music, does that band supposed to be paying those royalties? Is the venue that hired them re- responsible the venue, for those? The venue is responsible for getting a. Usually, what you'll do is you go to these other. The one thing that we, you know, lightly touched on was PROs, performing rights organizations. Okay. Um, they're the ones who kind of enforce the rules. Um, so they represent the artist or okay. the songwriter. Okay. Um, and you can sign up to get a, basically a yearly blanket license of like, we'll pay you 600 bucks and it'll cover all the songs in your catalog. So if you own a bar 
And it's not just for performing, right? It's not just for cover bands. It's it's also for playing playing recorded music. Yeah. Yes. Any performance of that music should be covered. The deals that they'll send over a blanket license to you, and you kind of tell them, like, listen, we have music playing on in in the bar, and then we do about twelve shows a year, and they'll go, cool, this is how much it's going to cost you based on your capacity. Fascinating. Um, a lot of places still don't have those. Um, the the PROs are what bullies, if, man. They're bullies. What if I played artists that didn't have a publishing contract or were not a member of the PRO? Then, then you, that's then fine. That's fine. Or if say if that doesn't I'm, mean they I'm a member won't still of, try to get money yeah, from you though. Let's say I'm a member of ASCAP, right? I'm an artist, and I'm a member of ASCAP, but I want to play this place that doesn't have whatever but i'm only gonna play my songs i have all the right in the world to go perform those songs and i can give them approval to play uh, to allow me to play those songs at their place if that makes sense but not not a garth brooks song not a garth brooks song unless they have the right the rights to play that song so this is something that's that is happening a lot that's not happening properly Sure. Oh yeah, and and that's why PROs exist, and that's why they are kind of bullies because no one pays them. But like, they're supposed to go to all these different places and get licensing for that. It's super complicated. That what you're getting into and you're starting to like uncover is the fact that the publishing world has not kept up with technology. With technology, like yeah. it, re- like we should be able to have a really simple system that like you know, takes care of all of this stuff and it just hasn't been updated and the law hasn't been updated either to keep up with it. And that's partially the reason it's like, um, you know, I think there, there was a big thing that was passed just like, I think last year or two years ago, um, that it helped songwriters get paid more for Spotify streams. Yeah. Um, and that law hadn't been changed. It was like the music digitization act. Yeah. That and there was, was something you know, that people on both sides of it, but like they, yeah. they're, they're just not keeping up with the technology. Congress isn't. Cause it's, it's happening. So it's quickly. tough. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens quickly and you know congress famously always reacts in kind and moves very quickly just kidding they don't do that at all so you mentioned earlier in the episode about covid and and being in the covid times Mm -hmm. like i can't help but wonder and i'm afraid to ask this question because i don't want there to be any potential you know negative implications of this but like you know, some of my friends who are local musicians who are doing these Facebook live feeds where they're doing covers, mm-hmm. I mean, that's now a recording on the internet that's going to sort of live there forever. Is yeah. is there a potential conflict or issue that with, with that? Because that's not a venue yeah. that's not paying for that royalty? That is, that is actively happening right now. Um, so Yeah, but at the same time, those organizations like BMI and ASCAP aren't going to shake down... Facebook, <laughs> a solo musician. No, it's not their responsibility. You're saying it's Facebook's. It's Facebook's responsibility. Oh, well, um, that's too far the other way. They're yeah, probably exactly. not going to try to lawyer up against. I mean, Facebook. They can they could send the a cease and desist and get them to pull the video down, but like it's just not. And, and then this is like another weird one. That Canadian astronaut um, that did that cover of of um, David Bowie's song, Ground Control. Yeah, them. and like that video got millions of views on youtube and i'm mm-hmm. like did david bowie get paid for that yeah so youtube actually has a really good system set up with the majority of the major labels where it automatically tags songs when you upload something and it'll add advertising to and then pay that artist and then pay yes. the artist and so yeah. maybe the person that has that video is getting zero dollars yeah probably yeah they won't allow you to monetize that video. Well, this is getting into a whole other topic, but unless that person had an already thriving YouTube channel that meets minimum requirements for monetization, they made <laughs> no money on it anyway. I want to get a little bell where every time something comes up that is like a future topic, we just like ding. So we can future episode. <laughs> <laughs> we should actually uh, maybe we'll try to get someone on here who's like a publishing expert to really dive into it because that's one thing I've noticed about artists in Knoxville is that. A lot of them aren't signed up with the PRO. A lot of them don't understand publishing and understand that like, like right now, no, no artists are touring. This is the perfect time. You have the time to get, get online, sort through your catalog and make sure you're picking up those pennies that you didn't pick up before. One thing I used to do when I was working at a management company is when I would go pennies, through, you, you literally mean, I pennies. literally mean pennies, but, but they can add up. They can add up. And so like with um, B, BMI, for instance, you can go in there as an artist and log all the shows that you've played in the past, 
and how many people attended those shows, and they will pay you for your performances of your songs. Do they do an audit to prove to like make sure that you're not just full of shit and made up those shows? Nah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't verify that, but I I would assume they have at least a, a little bit of accountability. Like I'm sure they have a threshold where you're like, okay, you did not play 200 shows at a 2,000 capacity, you know, you know, theaters, you know, that kind of thing. But you can go in there, and I used to do this, and you know. Carolina story. I used to do this back in the old days when they hardly play in any rooms. Maybe fifty people would come, and, but they would play a lot of shows. They'd get paid three or four hundred bucks a quarter. So like you might, ha- and you can go back and do it for two years. So that you might end up getting a check for two grand. That's that would be epic. It's definitely worth the time right now. It's it's yeah. a, it's it's a pain to do it in the moment. But wh- what other things are you doing right now if you're not playing shows? True. So, so that just sounds like a really big. Headache, but a necessary one so that artists can get paid for their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I hope they come up with a better way. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of money in it. Somebody should be investing in the technology for that. There's a lot of unclaimed money from royalties and from publishing out there. Do you think if all that money... Why are you whispering? <laughs> I don't want them to hear me. <laughs> if Do they th- hear me, they'll come after me. Do I'm you telling th- you, these guys are bullies. <laughs> Do you think that if all the money that was owed was paid out, that pe- that that bars and venues and think people would be doing things a little bit differently. Yeah, I mean, if I've always said that if I think that they need to change their model, I think that BMI and ASCAP need to understand. Yes, music is valuable, but running a bar is incredibly thin margins already. So asking for twelve hundred dollars a year is just a lot to ask somebody. Um, that's why a lot of well, maybe people around here don't to get pay them. Twelve hundred from one bar, because the other four aren't paying. My thought is, if you just drop the price, though, you could actually probably get more on board. I think that you know, I've talked to a lot of. I'm not going to name names, but I, I've talked to a lot of <laughs> bar owners in this area that have been, you know, basically. Why, why I call them bullies is because they'll the BMI will call them and harass their employees to get them to try to pay for this and tell them that they're going to sue them and send them a lawsuit and all this stuff. Yeah, it's like getting a red light camera ticket times 100. Yeah. Um, and if they were just a little more accommodating to uh, you know bars and restaurants and breweries, I think more of them would pay, and that would, be, that would mean more money into the pot for all artists. That's my particular uh, approach to it. But they don't have the resources to actually sue every single business in America over this. Right, but they can threaten it too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I have never, uh, just a few more questions. Mm -hmm. I have never been to a show where people have had their cell phones either taken or um, blocked or or hindered in some sort of way, Mm -hmm. but I've heard about it. A friend of mine was at a show here in town uh, where they basically were given like a necklace that had a bag that had a, mm-hmm. a key lock mm-hmm. where they had to put their phone in it and then lock it and then they got it unlocked on the way out. I mean, half of me feels like this sounds awesome because uh, I love a big fan of Switchfoot. But the mm-hmm. last Switchfoot show I went to, I watched Switchfoot on the guy in front of me's cell phone video of Switchfoot in front of him right. because he was standing in front of me. He was taller and and you know it was distracting. The other half of me is like, well, what if, you know, it's my phone. Like, it's, there's, <laughs> you know, what if I go to the bathroom and I want to text my friend, what bar are you going after the show? Yeah. Uh, I'd love to know how that actually physically works, mm-hmm. what your all's opinion of it is, and do you think this is something we'll see more of or less of in the future? Uh, yeah, well, we'll start with that last one. I, I do think it's something we'll see more of. It's kind of a growing trend right now, I think. I think it first started popping up about four or maybe five years ago. Um, I think there are a couple of different companies now, but the main one, like if you said your friend has been to one where they did that, is probably yeah. through a company called Yonder. Is there like an artist that's like known for like force like for? Uh, well, I think the most the 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 people who are most famously implementing this at their shows are actually comedians. So like Dave Chappelle, very famously, was that one of the first sense, on. Yeah. Uh, on the train of, of using these and he and he and John Mayer actually toured together one time it was like a comedy and music uh, duo kind of thing and John Mayer started using it for his shows as well so it's kind of you know some artists are seeing the benefits of it I think it's 
growing a lot. One of the first to use it was the Lumineers, I think, back in 2016. Um, they were doing like a series of secret shows, and they kind of wanted the experience of it to stay. To sort of live um, in that moment only. Well, not only that, but they didn't want, like when they go to another town, and they've got this kind of like special setup, and they, they just wanted everybody to see it with fresh eyes for the first time when they're there in the room. Which is, I think is the, th- is the same thing that's appealing to comedians. It's like if they're out on the road doing material, somebody's about to go see them at the Tennessee Theater. They don't want somebody recording it in Birmingham at the Alabama Theater three nights before they see it on a cell phone video. Yeah. It really ruins the experience of going to see it because they can't be expected to come up with new material every single night. That was, I think you might you probably just answered my next question. But is the biggest concern from an artist's perspective? the effect that cell phones have on the experience or is it things like recording video and putting it on YouTube? And I guess there's a lot of fail safes for like YouTube and stuff like that already. So it's probably more. Uh, not really. You mean like YouTube will take it down and yeah. put a bit. Mm, not really. Uh, in theory, but that doesn't really happen all that much. Um, is it, is it more the, they're more, they're recording? more interested in taking down like copies of professional recordings that people, uh, that, YouTubers or somebody posting it doesn't have the rights to. Gotcha. But like, if you take a cell phone video at a U2 concert, they're not going to take that down from YouTube. So is it mostly, do you think the artists are wanting to create a genuine, authentic experience? I think that's the main driving factor. I think that's the, the biggest appeal for it is that sometimes people need a little motivation or I guess in this case being forced to just like, hey, you're not going to have your phone out during this. This is a shared experience we're all going to have together in this moment. And you don't need to be like worrying about filming something. And I think the biggest thing is like, is not for uh, enhancing this, the experience of the person filming the phone. It's like you mentioned at the Switchfoot concert. It's to uh, to keep the integrity of the experience for the person sitting behind the person with the phone. Yeah. Because if I mean you've we've all seen it. You can it can be really distracting with like a bunch of hands go up uh, with like the dimly lit cell phone light. Um, especially with people's like hands up in front of you. Um, but I think, I think the biggest thing that it can be used for is like quieter theater shows like, uh, like say Jason Isbell does a, does a solo, uh, a solo set at like Tennessee theater or like something like that. I think cause if people are talking on their cell phones or you can actually hear the Heaven forbid flash photography, right? Like, yeah. That too. The most distracting thing in the world. Yeah. So what happens? I show up to the venue. They ask me for my phone. I tell them I didn't bring one. And then I get into the show, and I've got my phone. Like, does that happen? I mean, I'm assuming that has to happen. I would assume. I, I, don't, it I happens, just don't know how you like, it happened take in, someone's uh, sort of like personal property quotes. You know, in, like, one of, in one of the last couple of specials that Dave Chappelle put out, somebody's phone goes off in the middle of it, and you can kind of hear the room go, ooh. And he, he even jokes about it. He's like, I'm not, I'm not gonna like give this give this guy detention or something. What is this high school? This nigga probably got a babysitter or something. Go and answer your phone, nigga. Just get that shit out of here. I'm, I'm in the middle of something important. <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun if we made fun of him? He's like, ah, and he went outside like, hello, mama's dead. Oh no! <laughs> That's a weird time phone call, That's, uh, wasn't it? Not, I think I cleaned up the language, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think that does happen. I don't think there are like penalties for for like trying to game the system, but it's kind of just like a, I, th- I feel like if, if it's coming from the artist to put that much work into everybody locking up their phones, I think it's kind of just like an everybody be cool factor. Cause you don't want to be the one, the one dumb, dumb who kind of skirted the rules and thinks you're above the law and everybody else has. Yeah. Has born and raised done a cell phone free show. No. We cannot afford that technology at all. Well, there's a handful of reasons why we wouldn't do it. But like, yeah, but you could we can't... just put a sign up that says, please, no cell phone use. When yeah, we, whenever yeah, we I have mean... like 
like what I was talking about, like more intimate shows, um, like a, a quieter acoustic show, we, we make a point to get up on stage beforehand and tell everybody to turn off your cell phones or at least silence them. Um, and if you want to talk, take it outside because I mean, for all the reasons that I just listed, like you can talk anywhere in the whole world. Yeah. yeah. But just, this is the only place that you can listen to music and yeah. respect that by talking somewhere else. Yeah. And even if they don't, even if they don't, uh, you know, take our advice on that, I, the artist always at least appreciates that we made an effort to try to get people to shut the hell up. Yeah. I, I think that, responsible phone usage is fine. Like I, I, I understand wanting to take a photo and as a, a business and a lot of the, the artists that we represent, like getting the name out of what we're doing is super like important. Like me taking a picture and posting it on Facebook is marketing. It's yeah, good for business. Yeah. Maybe Jason Isabel doesn't need that right now, but a lot of the artists we're working with, like having that exposure is valuable. It's not as valuable as a great experience, so we don't want it to interrupt the show. But I don't. I also don't think I want to give that up. So I think that the kind of the stance that we've taken is, we want to we want to make it a priority that people take the the show seriously, and that's why we say those things at the beginning of the show. And we've tried to develop a culture around our shows that it's like, listen, we pay we you we charge a little bit higher ticket price than most shows at our level, and the reason is because we want people who value music to come to them. Yeah. Um, but well, in terms of what it. you're talking about, like people having a whole ass conversation during a concert is way more invasive than somebody raising up their cell phone to take a photo, right? Or even a video of, of like half a song. Parker Millsap, where that guy was whispering. I was thinking was, about like, that a second ago. Yeah, so much louder than just normal talking. Somehow that poor guy <laughs> was he was trying. He really was trying to not be a distraction, but he just does did not understand the difference between whispering and yelling because he was like, he was like hello i'm, hello. I'm at a show <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's funny and and everyone was everyone in the room including the artist kind of just like turned and looked at him and it was just like how are you not getting this man hang up or go outside <laughs> golly that, that's that's obnoxious i hope he's listening he's not but i hope he is <laughs> and he knows so do you think don't we'll, do, it do you think we'll see more of that in the future i do yeah i think so yeah i mean i don't like i don't think it'll be every show but I think that there's definitely some appropriate, like circumstances that that call for it. Who who do you so you said a company most likely uh, did that? Do you think was the venue responsible for hiring that company, or was that's the something artist... that will come as a request from the artist side, and then they'll have the. the I, I, I would imagine I, this. I, this is just speculation on my part. I would imagine if they're working with that company, they're probably bringing the equipment with them because i was thinking like jason isabel just using him as an example if he's going to go on a 30-day tour Mm -hmm. and you want some all to be cell phone free i'd imagine he would just that company would travel with him it's funny that we've that we've kind of settled into using jason isabel as an example jason isabel tweets all the time i'm sure he's (laughs) fine with people having (laughs) phones at their at his concerts he would probably rather you not film his entire concert with your phone just like anybody else but still what was the question (laughs) Oh yeah, I would, assume, we, I would assume they go on tour with them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you think maybe as it grows in popularity, some of the larger, bigger venues might invest in yeah, that maybe. system so that they could offer it as a plus to any yeah. artist that came there. Yeah, I'd say that's probably the case. That's fascinating. Whatever, whatever venues are left. Yeah. Well, I, I have one. <laughs> yeah, I've got one final question. I'm not ready for those kind of jokes. Uh, yet. I guess one. <laughs> Too soon. One final big question uh, and actually is kind of relevant to, to the comment you just made i'm sure we'll get some more questions out of it but um you know we are in the midst of covid19 outbreak as, as you mentioned it's affecting small business owners mm-hmm. uh, it's affecting everybody and i can only imagine that it has had a, a i know it's had a negative impact on you all we talked about this on the radio show and it's been a weird couple months yeah so our artists, our musicians who made a majority of their living off of performing music live, able to get some of the government assistance that in that small business owners are getting. Is there? Can you file unemployment for being a live musician? Um, I, I'm just kind of curious how that works and how that's been working. I don't know if you listened to episode six of the Born and Raised Music podcast, <laughs> but your business associate who sits at a desk three feet from you <laughs> laid this out in great detail. Um, uh, yeah. Oslo Cole came on and talked about this very thing that actually, he came on and talked about it before it was after the cares act passed. Um, and before people were starting to actually be able to file for those 
uh, unemployment benefits through the state of Tennessee, uh, you're now able to make those claims as a musician, gig worker, contract worker, whatever you want to call it. I have not personally known anybody who has yet received any of those benefits. Do you think that's more of a federal issue or a state of Tennessee it's, it's issue? It's both, but it's... The money, the money is at it's the state a Tennessee, level now. Yeah, it's the state of Tennessee. It's the state of Tennessee. Issue. But at the same time, like, this is feeling very weird that I'm going to defend any state or Don't federal do it, government. Don't but do it. But I will say, <laughs> before all this happened, there was not any kind of mechanism built for being able to give unemployment benefits to people who are self-employed or work on a contract basis because freelancers sort of yeah so what you're saying is that this virus exposed an enormous amount of flaws in our already broken system yes it did (laughs) but that's not what this is that i'm talking about so you know before this happened if you were self-employed and by nature of that you're unemployed it just means you sucked at being self-employed but now there's a, a real legitimate reason that, or a case that certain something people... something outside of your control exactly. is the reason for the loss of your income. So with there being no mechanism already in place, they've had to basically like either try to shoehorn all this stuff into an already existing system that had tons of bugs and flaws in it already, maybe on accident, maybe by design to make it harder for you to actually be able to make claims on these unemployment. Artificially So basically, if I start a roofing company and all of a sudden my sales are declining because the other roofing companies are doing a better job, I can't file for unemployment because I just... Right. Lost. I just lost. Yeah. But if I own a roofing company and the pandemic happens and everyone stops buying roofs because of the pandemic, there's now potentially a... At a gate, a doorway for that opportunity. I don't know anything about the roofing business. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly not sure how how well, how that, that works for somebody like yeah, them. But like, because if you think about it, musicians, but in the event world, like we literally cannot do like doing events is like the single most dangerous thing that we can do right yeah. now. So, in theory, you can apply for benefits if um, if you are a musician. But again, I haven't I haven't actually heard of anybody actually receiving those benefits yet. Hopefully, if somebody's listening to this and they've gotten some of those, I'd, I'd love to hear from Let them. Let us know. Yeah. Um, you could be the lucky guest number nine. Yeah. <laughs> but it was incredibly complicated at, at first when future episode when people were actually able to to file for those claims. There was there would be a thing that would pop up and say that if you're self employed, you're not eligible for benefits, and that was literally like they had to rather than just take that out of it there was an instructional video on the jobs 14 website that was like this will pop up just ignore it it's like why would you why would you just take it out just take it out yeah, yeah it's, there's just a lot of like weird idiosyncrasies about the system that just make it incredibly convoluted and really hard to navigate but if you need that money you got to do it so yeah, if, if I were giving any advice to artists right now about this, it's go apply right now. Go apply. Jump into every well, single thing you the can. The only thing you've lost is 30 minutes of your time to fill out right. the application. Fill, fill it out. 30 er- minutes to an hour. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Get, get out ahead of it as quickly as you can. Get in that system. And then don't wait for that money. Don't yeah. wait because you're going to be waiting a while. So yeah. make sure you're looking for other opportunities. Other opportunities yeah. Music is something that's helping all of us get through this. I mean, we've updated, we've upgraded our system here in the office because it's helping us cope with everything. So, yeah. like, people want music, they want to buy music. Just find ways to reach your fans and connect with them. Patreon is blowing up right now. And the the beer, you know? that vinyl thing that you all just started, has been really cool too. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, it's been a really cool way to support both. That we've only done two, both artists that <laughs> we've um that we've got on there, and it's also supporting breweries, so it's a nice little tie-in. Yeah. to that, but. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to. I mean, we're all trying to figure this out. We we work in live entertainment, so like we are just restructuring our business altogether. Yeah, you're, you're basically starting a new business. Yeah, pretty much. On what we <laughs> hope is a temporary basis, and then we re-restructure when we're back to normal. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, the good thing is, is and something we've always talk, talked about is like, you know what? If we can build a really successful revenue stream during a pandemic, and it can exist when we have our other revenue stream 
when things go back to normal, now we have two revenue streams. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? So you're yeah. putting in the work. You're going to, if you can figure it out, it's going to, it's going to pay dividends. There's the definitely some things that we've done at Knox Brew Tours in the last six weeks that we will continue to do and that will have changed who we are as a company in a good way. Yeah. For sure. Well, I really appreciate you guys giving me some of your time to ask these questions. I'm yeah. always thinking, and I love sitting on the other side of the office and hearing you guys, you know, work and, and how much you love music and care about Knoxville. And, and you guys are definitely passionate. So I appreciate you letting me pick your brain for a little bit. Well, thanks for having us on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is Assuming that we might do this again yeah. in the future, uh-huh. if anyone who's listening has any questions for Garrett and Kent that you're embarrassed to ask them, and you want to remain anonymous, just shoot me an email at Zach at KnoxBrewTours.com. Yeah. And next time uh, we hop on here, I'll ask that question for you. Yeah. Hey, head and head to KnoxBrewTours.com. Check out what they got going on. Thanks, I can't I imagine that. anybody would be embarrassed to ask us. Get us, get us to come do a celebration bus at your house. We'll come yeah. We'll come anywhere, yeah. as long as it's close to Knoxville. Especially and anybody who's seen close, us do I mean, a celebration bus would not be embarrassed to ask us anything. That's we, true. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate y'all both. Uh, cheers. Likewise, cheers. cheers.